Would you please stand with me, friends, as we will read the scriptures today. We're reading from Proverbs chapter 29, reading this small section, verses 22 through 26, and looking specifically at verse 25. Again, let us listen to the Lord's word. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. He who is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He who hears the oath but tells nothing. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. This is the Lord's word. Would you please be seated? Again, Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word, and I pray, Father, that your blessing will be upon your word going forward, that this servant will handle it faithfully, that your people will hear it faithfully, and we pray that you would keep the evil one from stealing away the seed of the gospel, from causing things that are said not to be heard or to things that aren't said to be heard. We ask that you will protect and glorify the name of Christ now, And we humbly ask all of this for your spirit's blessing and for your kingdom's advance. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's a safe assertion to to make that everyone wants to have a good life. We want peace. We all would like safety. We want happiness. We would, every one of us, like to live out our days quietly without problems and threatenings. We want this so much, in fact, that we were, uh, will go to great lengths to achieve uh, such an end. We will give in to sinful fear at times, that we will cower under threatenings of another, or we live enslaved to others for fear that if we don't do what they want, we'll be sorry, or if we do do what they want, we'll be blessed. Some of you may have seen a story yesterday posted on Breitbart talking about Uh, President Xi's um, new proclamation that the church in China is now supposed to uh, promote the propaganda of the Chinese communist people. And so in their churches, they have to read the propaganda. They have to promote obedience to the uh, government of China. This is a prime example. And the three forms uh, church, or the three, I forget what they call it, Uh, Their church, the state church over there, said we're only too happy to do this. This is the kind of thing that we are faced with. This is the kind of thing, the pressure, that we are to be confronted by. You've heard it too. Mask mandates are coming back. A second pandemic is just around the corner. And we're hearing all these sorts of things. And it is easy for us to become very fearful of what men may do or may try to do. Ultimately, when we place our hope in man, either uh, either our lives will be ruined by him or no good will come from it. And the, the Solomon, as he's writing this, he warns us not to fear man, as this will be detrimental to you, to us all, but that we should trust in the Lord for our well-being. It's a very simple message, a very simple proverb. Again, the proverb reads this way, the fear of man brings a snare, 
but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. How do we define this fear? The fear of man brings a snare. How do we define it? It should be considered that there is an appropriate sense of fear that everyone should have, and then there's an inappropriate sense of fear. Appropriately, we should uh, fear the Lord, our God. We're told this by Peter in 1 Peter 2. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. 1 Peter 2.17. We're commanded in Ephesians 6.5 to fear our employers, so to speak. We are told by the apostles, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. And then we are told that we are to fear our government. We are commanded to be afraid if we do evil. We read this in Romans 13. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. And again, in Romans 13, 7, render to all that is what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. These are all um, good examples of appropriate fear. Here, however, in Proverbs 29, 25, we are given an instance of inappropriate fear. This is the fear of man. It is not a reverence that is due to him. It is not a respect that is being spoken of. But it is an anxiety, a quaking, a trembling, an anxious care that comes upon a person or one that they submit themselves to. The word used here for fear, it's very picturesque, is the same word used in Exodus 19.18 to describe Mount Sinai. Listen to this. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently. The whole mountain quaked violently. That's, that's the picture here of that word fear. This violent shaking. In Genesis 27.33 we read this of Isaac. Remember he is deceived by Jacob. We're told that Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me so that I ate of all of it before you came and blessed him? Yes, and he shall be blessed. So we have Isaac, again, violently shaking, trembled violently. In 1 Kings 1, verses 49 and 50, if you recall the story, Adonijah is trying to take the throne of Israel. And he's getting ready to have himself declared the king in Israel. And then they hear the blast of trumpets. And Solomon has been anointed the king. And Adonijah's guests, when they hear the trumpets, they all start to uh, be terrified. Again, it's a picture of violent shaking. Uh-oh. Now we're in trouble. Right? So here we find this, this word, fear, it's, it's an idea of trembling from emotional agitation before an unusual circumstance or panic induced by human threat. Think of the schoolyard bully. I was thinking about our, our students who've gone back to school. I remember sitting in literature class one day, and there was this great big guy, 
He was about 6'2 in the 10th grade. He had a baby face. He was a nice-looking guy. All the girls would flock around this guy. He was polite and winsome to the teachers. But boy, he got away from teachers, and you got around him. The guy was a bully. And I'm sitting across the table, and I'm telling this for the sake of the children. But it also illustrates the, the point. Sitting across from him during a test in our literature class, teachers walking around, making sure no cheating is going on. The teacher passes our table, and he looks over his, his glasses. He had tinted glasses. He looks over his glasses, and he says, Strong, give me your paper. And you could hear this gulp coming from my head. <laughs> right? This guy is going to pound me. And I looked at him, and I said, no. And I looked down real quick. I thought, please go away. He said it again, strong. Give me your paper. And I looked at him again, and I said, no. And I thought, I'm so dead. He did it one more time, and I did one more time. I said, no. My insides were dead jelly. This guy was so big, he could mop me up like a rag doll. He got his answers from someone else. This is the fear, the schoolyard bully who threatens. This is what Solomon is talking about here. The fear of man brings a snare. Um, dread knee-knocking fear that is caused by those who threaten us or of whom we are afraid. Why do we fear them? Why? Why do we fear them? Fundamentally, I believe that it's because we have esteemed them to some position or power that they have somehow this ability to be able to break our lives. Do you know, uh, do you think about anyone this way? That if you make them angry, if they cross uh, if you cross them, you'll pay for it. There are people like this. There are people like this. And we see this. We see, we see Abram concerning his wife Sarai when this occurs. Remember in Genesis 12 and also in Genesis 20, he does it twice. When the Egyptians see you, he says to Sarai, they will say, this is my wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that I may live on account of you. Abram is scared for his life. He's afraid they will kill him and take Sarai because she is so beautiful. He gives his wife over as his sister because he is convinced that he is going to die. That's the fear of men. Another example, maybe closer to home, we read in John 12, we are told, Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Here, Israel's rulers, many believed in the Lord Jesus, but because they were afraid they would be put out of the synagogue, they would not confess or own Jesus Christ to them. We look at people of position or power and think to ourselves that if I don't do what they want, I'm going to suffer for it. Conversely, 
I have to get along, uh, or go along rather, to get along, or get along with them to go along. It is fundamentally idolatry. I look at someone as though they stand in the place of God, and that my happiness and my security are dependent upon keeping this particular individual happy with me. And we ask ourselves, what could possibly go wrong with these sorts of things? I don't know, lose your wife to somebody else? That would be a terrible thing. Or remain silent about Jesus Christ so that you can remain a member in good standing at the synagogue or in town with your friends. Anything. I just, I don't want to rock a boat. There is a problem. Being such a respecter of persons, and again, we're not speaking about being law-abiding, respectful of those in authority, either kings, governors, or employers, Um, But when we are respecters of persons, we open ourselves up to some very bad things. And Solomon says that the fear of man brings a snare. It brings a snare. A snare refers to setting a trap to catch some prey, but more frequently, it is in a metaphorical sense, it means to entrap people. When we are shaken by people, we fall into a trap, a snare. When we think that they are the source or a source of our blessing, that they can make our futures or break us beyond repair, we do foolish and sinful things. And as we said, Abraham denied that Sarah would have, uh, Sarah denied that she was married to him. Rulers would not confess Christ. Peter would deny he knew the Lord three times, all because he feared the repercussions of people and he did not fear the Lord. And you and I, would not own the Lord because we don't want to be ridiculed, belittled, or thought strange. And oftentimes we will do unethical things because someone higher up or who has more clout has instructed you to do so. We do not stand up for those without a voice. We passively stand by as evil is perpetrated. We don't want to get involved because these guys will make your life hard, keep you from your business, put you on the outs in town, and ruin your reputation. So I'll just sit down and be quiet. So we remain silent. We remain inactive. And we, because we give undue, improper importance to individuals, neglect to do what the Lord has commanded, thus incurring sin and grieving the Lord. We place so much importance on what people think of us that it gets us into all sorts of problems. Bruce Walke, a commentator on Proverbs, said this, Panic-stricken by what others might do to them, he cowardly yields himself to their depraved dictates to please them and thereby incur God's wrath. We neglect to do what we ought to do, or we do what oughtn't be done, all because we want to remain in good standing with men from whom we believe comes our greatest blessing. We need to consider just a couple of things regarding men. He speaks about the fear of man. In Hebrew, it is the word Adam. Man is Adam. The one you are shaken by is of the earth. He is formed of dust. He is mortal. He is finite, has both a beginning and an end, and like you, he too will stand before God. Isaiah warns of this very thing in Isaiah chapter 2. Stop regarding man whose breath of life is in his nostrils, for why should he be esteemed? A second point to remember about men is that they can only do only so much harm. Jesus says in Luke 12, I say to you, my friends, 
Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after, uh, after that have no more than that, that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Of course, people can hurt us, but that hurt can only go so far. That's why we shouldn't fear men. So then how ought we to respond to threats to those who would use their influence to control us? A perfect example, I believe, is found in Daniel chapter 3. If you would turn there with me. Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the golden image. It's actually a very interesting point because not only are they not going to practice the fear of men, they're also, it's a, a very timely passage for us, notice how they're responding to the king of Babylon. It's great instruction for us in the days in which we find ourselves. Uh, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. The Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Uh, very interesting there, by the way. We read this on, on Wednesday night when we read the story about Hezekiah and Rabshakeh and the, the king of Assyria. They say the same thing. What God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? What sheer arrogance that they could say, there is no God that could deliver you. Sheer arrogance. Listen to their response. It's beautiful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's a wonderful, wonderful response. The psalmist writes in Psalm 118.6, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? They did not fear what Nebuchadnezzar could do or would do. If they didn't worship the image, they would not give in to his demand because worship is only to be given to the one true God. They weren't going to be afraid. Threaten me all you like. I'm not doing it because this is what the Lord has said. It's that simple, friends. It, it is. We stop listening to the Lord and we start listening to men. You better do this or else... Okay, that's, that's, that needs to be the response of every Christian. It's not about what people say. It's about what the Lord says. That's the bottom line. We do what the Lord tells us. And the Christian says, do what you please. Even if he doesn't deliver us out of this fire, we're not going to bow. They held fast 
and they entrusted themselves to the Lord, and you know the rest of the story. There was one like a son of man standing in the midst of them. Did we not throw three men in there? Why is there four? How is it? Get them out of there. How is it that not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes? It's because the Lord. The individual who being such a respecter of people compromises in order to preserve himself will be caught in a snare. He keeps people happy, but he incurs the wrath and displeasure of God. That's a problem. But, Solomon writes, he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. My friends, our good and our blessing doesn't come from men. If the United States government comes and knocks on the door and says, by the way, we want you churches to start teaching that the government has the final say in all things. The narrative that they've been preaching is no longer supposed to be preached. We want you to preach a more kind, a more friendly, a more nice gospel. So we want you to leave out sin and we want you to leave out all these other things. And they come and say to us, you know, uh, this is what we want you to preach. And the church has an option at, at that point. We say, okay, we'll do what you, and if we do this, they won't take away our tax status. You know, if we do this, they'll, they'll leave us alone so that we can worship on Sunday morning. And what do you think the kind of church we will be if we do that? That's what they're facing in China. That's what, that's what they're doing in China. So what do we say? We say, I'm not going to bow to your idol. Sorry. We're not, we can't bow to your idol. But if we bow to them, someone will argue, then we can have peace and we won't have problems. And if I say I'm not bowing to that, you say, well, then you'll pay the price. Maybe in the short term. I might. Not in the long term, I won't. And the person who trusts the Lord, we are told, will be exalted. He's the one who will be exalted. Our blessing comes from the Lord. We are not to tremble in fear of any man, but we are to trust in the Lord. We are not looking around from side to side to see who's, who's watching, who's approving. We are looking up and saying, what does the Lord want of me at this time? Trust expresses that sense of well-being and security which results from having something or someone in whom to place confidence. We sometimes think of trust as to believe. But in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it does not use the word for believe, which would be pistis, uh, when it is translated trust. Rather, it uses the word for hope. Does that sound strangely familiar to Sunday school? It's hope. The hope we have in Jesus Christ is, is where we stand. And it is to rely upon him. It is to rely upon the Lord. Again, notice Notice the small caps there for the word Lord. This is the covenantal name of our God, Yahweh. Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. This is what we see with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is what we will see with every faithful church and every faithful Christian. We will run into the name of the Lord and we will be protected. That is the promise of the Lord, my friends. 
This is what we saw with Hezekiah so often. So often. Um, Rabshaka, as we read the other night, they came to Hezekiah and his, his ministers who were serving under Hezekiah. Please speak to us in the language that the people don't understand. Oh no, we've come to speak to everyone. We're going to make sure that they all know that you ought to be afraid. And what does Hezekiah do? And I know it was a very difficult situation for him. He takes that letter and he, he presses it out and he prays. And 185,000 Assyrians are struck dead. And the boast went up, your God can't save you. Don't listen to this guy telling you that your God can save you. He can't. He hasn't been able, the, the gods of the other nations haven't been able to deliver them. And you know why, friends? Because the gods of the other nations were not gods. But our God is a stronghold. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. What does he do? He runs into the name of the Lord. This is what Hezekiah did. He trusts in the covenant-keeping character of our God, a God who has sworn to be our God, a God to us and to our children, a God who said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That is our God. That's why we, we confess the things we confess. That's why we sing the things we sing. That's why we read the history of God's people so that we would know this God so that when we are tempted and when we are tried and when we are fearful, we look to our God and we are not shaken any longer. That's what we are called to. Our God does not abandon us. Our God will not abandon, nor will he forsake his people. Remember Egypt. Remember his strong arm as we start going into the book of Joshua and we start reading how the great victories of our God as he displaces his enemy and he establishes his people in the promised land. That's our God. Remember the sacrifice of his son on our behalf. And how he has delivered us. We will not be disappointed. If we would but trust in the Lord. He is a strong tower. And when we are afraid. Run to him. Hope in him. And rely upon him. And the outcome my friends is simple. You will be exalted. Those who hope in the Lord. Will be lifted up and given that position of honor at the end of our days, and they will be set on high, and they will be kept safe, and our Lord indeed will be faithful to that to the very end. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, O Lord, again for your word, and thank you for our, your faithfulness to us, for the gift of faith, for your calling in our lives, for your promise that no man will ever be able to make you a liar. We praise you that you have said it and you will do it. And so we pray, Lord, that you will deliver us from the fear of men because it is a snare, but that we would be those who hope in the Lord, knowing that in him one day we will be lifted up 
lifted up to be with your son in glory. Strengthen your church, we pray today. Strengthen your church throughout this land. Help us, Lord, not to be afraid, but to fear you and walk in your ways. We humbly ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.